You're listening to the Happiness is Intentional podcast, and I'm your host, Cookie. This is a podcast created to share the experiences of different individuals. We are always learning something new, something that supports or redefines how we see ourselves, and it adds to our personal growth. So I ask you, how do you make your happiness intentional? Being purposed for education. Today, my guest is Camille Simmons, and she's running for a seat on the Rochester City School Board. Hi, Camille. How are you? Hi, Cookie. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Good. So let's get into this. Yes. First of all, I need everybody to know who you are. In my short time of speaking with you, I'm a fan. And okay. I, I and I honestly believe that you would be a great a- asset to this community. But you you know it's not just my vote. So that's right. Who, you know, let the audience know who you are and why you decided to run. First and foremost, thank you, Cookie. I appreciate that because um, I know you don't hold any punches. So I am Camille Simmons. I grew up here in Rochester on Roslyn Street, actually, in the 19th Ward. So I was like really right around the corner from Wilson High School where I graduated. And I used to walk to school just like all the other students that lived in the, in the neighborhood. And we would go down to Freddy's Mini Mart on the corner and get us some beef patties. MC yes. Light was probably playing KRS-One. And I've always kind of been that old school, that old soul. So I also would listen to The Quiet Storm and Memory Lane. So Marvin Gaye vibes was kind of where it was. And I remember at that time, Tony Bowler was always coming on. You always knew when it was 11 o'clock because he would say, parents, do you know where your children are? Right. So that's the community, right. the sense and the, the nostalgia that I grew up in. Um, here in Rochester. Why did you decide to run? Why did I decide to run? So first of all, again, I, I went to school in, in the in the district. And so I, I definitely had my experiences. And I remember what it felt like to have someone kind of wrap their arms around you, kind of give you mentorship and support and what that feels like and the difference it can make in your life. Um, also having graduated, I, I had my own son who has now graduated from the district. So I'm a parent. And I've gone through so many different things, getting him through the district. So I have a heart for serving. I want to see our children win. And that's also what I've done over the last 15 years. I've worked in the district schools. So I've worked in uh, different schools with students and their homes, with their families, school administrators, and so on. And it's really about the heart. Yes. So with the one organization I served, as, I started as a youth advocate. And that's where I think the meat of it is. We lose opportunity when we think we're sitting at high tables. It's really getting in the, on, the, on the beat and getting in that street with those children. So going into the homes of the children, throwing a child in your car, in your car going on a ride, you'll be so amazed at the issues of life that come through um, the children. So that work, I worked with them on academic outcomes um, getting them through school, working with their teachers and parents, helping them gain employment, and a lot of life skills mentorship, which is what our students really need support with. Um, from there, I went into operations, so I started to oversee programming for college and career readiness, um, 
and again, youth employment. And now I serve as a continuous improvement manager, again, focused on educational outcomes. And this one includes children cradle to career. This is for children before they get into school all the way up to high school. So we often miss that grade school. Um, we focus on early grade literacy and so on. So those, those are um, the areas that I'm in. This was not something I really chose, if you will. I didn't come in saying, I want to serve on the school board. It was a natural migration for the work that I do and the commitment I have to the students. And that's where my heart began to lead me. How do you think that you being on the school board could help address them? Absolutely. So there's so many um, challenges. If you look at our third grade literacy rates, for example, about 17% of our third graders are reading at proficiency. Third grade is a predictor for high school graduation. 17%? 17%. So if you look at our collective third grade, third graders across the district, when they take the NWEA assessment, which is an assessment to check on their critical thinking and their uh, reading proficiency, 17% are reading wow. at proficient level. And again, if that's a predictor for high school graduation, we know that we've got to get something going on way before high school. And that's something that I stand on is early interventions. How are we assessing and making sure that our primary students are ready and getting uh, the skills and the resources they need before high school? Because right. once you get to high school, it's an uphill battle from there. So we need to really get those early interventions under wraps. Wow. So now I know you have... Uh, what is what do you call it? Your five step plan or your five step? Yes, what I have a five point it? plan. So five Camille points. Simmons five point plan. Camille Simmons for Rochester City School Board has a five point plan. Well, let's the hear it. Yes, my bullets are collective voice, graduating ready, high quality instruction, school resources, and equity. All of this is founded on equity. Let me give you a little more. So the collective voice that includes the students their parents, the educators, and the community. Everyone needs to be able to collectively work together and have inclusive conversations about how we can best serve and support our students. We've got to get away from these silos and have this collective um, unit, unified conversation. Graduating ready is not just about getting through high school graduation, but what I said earlier, those early interventions have to happen for these children or we're going to stay on a hamster wheel. That is when we lose students. By the time they get to the fifth grade, if they're not 100% engaged in wanting to learn and graduate, we've lost them by the time they get to 10th grade. That's right. When we talk about school attendance, that's another huge issue that's going around with the, uh, at the district right now. We often think of high school students, but school attendance issues are even happening in the elementary and middle school stages. So if we can mitigate school attendance issues there, Maybe we could remedy them before they get to high school because practice makes perfect. We want our children in school. And that speaks to the pandemic right now. A lot of them are not in school. And so there's a lot of learning loss going on and yeah. students are not even logging in. From a, an employer standpoint, you know, working, you know, I work with a lot of parents who have to deal with their, their kids being able to log in. Mm -hmm. parent-teacher conferences. Yes. And, and and then we also have this digital divide and even parents not understanding how to use the technology. So right. it does, it becomes an issue for many of our parents and our students. So absolutely, I think you, you're perfect um, in your assessment in addressing that. So what else is in this five point plan? 
Absolutely. So the, the well-supported instruction cookie, Camille Simmons's five-point plan, my well-supported instruction, when I talk about that, I'm talking about uh, school resources. So you have some schools in the district that are performing really, really well. You look at their proficiency rates because all schools are not the same and they're right. doing well. What are the best practices and how? what are the resources that are going into those schools? And why are they not across the district? Because we know there's some funding inequities that are happening. So how can we try to better support and remedy those funding issues that are happening? We've got a boatload of money that has come in, but there's a lot of uh, strings attached to the, those dollars in some cases. So we there's an opportunity. So we want to have culturally relevant curriculum. When our students identify uh, with the curriculum, when we have representation, even in our teachers, there's data that shows our students will respond. If I'm looking at uh, a cookie on the radio and I see that she's doing broadcast television, broadcast radio, I see myself. Right. And that's something that I can aspire to be. But when you don't see yourself represented anywhere, it's difficult to see your, see yourself in that way. So we need to start creating a roadmap for our children. We need to not wait until they're in high school to show them who they can be, but start showing them early. Anti-racist curriculum, culturally relevant curriculum. We have a plethora of English language learners in the district. We have to make sure that those students are getting the, the supports they need. Special education We've got to make sure they're getting the resources and the supports as they go and that the assessments are happening in a timely manner. And we can really start changing our district around. Okay, so let me ask you this. What started you on this path? I know that you've had some community involvement and you were part of the group that were that built the bookcases or were delivering the bookcases with the books. What yeah, was that called? So- <laughs> So I serve with uh, Rock the Future currently, and I am a continuous improvement um, manager. So one of the one of the pieces that we worked on is uh, early grade literacy, and that's where we recognize that um, third graders are not reading at proficiency. So this particular part of collective impact, we work with the district in partnership. We work with all kinds of community members, CBOs, educators, parents, students. And we are looking to uh, figure out how to engage students in literacy. So one of the pieces that we uh, looked at just to really build awareness around that was the bookcases. Listen, Cookie, we got on the U-Haul truck and went all over the west side, east side, south side of Rochester in that U-Haul, jumping off that U-Haul and and literally physically carrying those cases to the steps. And the reward was watching a little boy. One of the other pieces, um, this one little boy, because we try to make sure all the books were representative of the students. Right. That's important. We handed this uh, book to this little boy and it had Martin Luther King on the front. And he said, I'm going to be Dr. King. That was it. That was it, right? That was it. Right. Because you want them to see the importance of knowing who they are, the you know, the people that have come before us. I think that's an excellent program. And when I heard I it was on the news, I heard about it. I even think they did a story on it. So I think it's fantastic that you were a part of that. But you also do some other things in the community. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm always trying to stay connected to the community. So I do poetry um, and I'm at various events. So you might have a couple years ago, I was at a Juneteenth, 
Juneteenth event. Next week, I'll be speaking at a, um, a Encompass Learning Center for um, some students that are going off to college. Um, I've done workshops with little girls. One, um, the last workshop I did before the pandemic was called A Rose is Still a Rose. And we Ooh, were I teaching like our, oh yes, it was something. And these this room full of girls, they were eating it up and I was eating them up because we learned from each other. But it was just that interaction, that pulse that you put on um, it, there's nothing you can do without having a pulse on that community, you know, right, and right. if you're not coming in, if you're coming into this thing for politics, sit down. If you're coming into this thing for business or some kind of personal agenda, sit down. You'd better come in here loving our children because this is a city and a district that is made up of black and brown children and they need support and they need to know that they are, that they matter. And that's why I'm here. So let me ask you this. What do you see as some of the challenges that the district currently faces right now? One of the most obvious is the the, the budget crisis. And again, we um, were we got that the, the CARES Act money. So we've got a lot of money that came in through the pandemic. We got the foundation aid. And so now it's really about how do we allocate those dollars in a way that will be sustainable because some of those dollars that came in are one hits. They're, they're, it's big dollars, but they're coming in one time. So if you're trying to apply them to something that needs to be sustained over a number of years, you can you can lose out again. Right. So they have to be very mindful of where the dollars go and how we can use them. I'd love to see um, some of these resources that ha- have holes in them, some of those dollars put there. So I'm um, trying to learn more about what's available and how it can be allocated to really um, fight for that representation and culturally relevant curriculum we keep talking about and, and things of that nature. Um, school attendance, school climate, there's, there's just so much I can go on and on. Well, the one thing that we talked about when we were having our, you know, pre-meeting for this podcast is uh, the younger children and really Mm -hmm. being able to grasp them to understand the importance of education. So you you mentioned that a little bit with the reading (laughs) and their proficiency. What else do you think the district should be doing at that level to -hmm. get them to high school? Because a lot of times when we talk about what's going on in the district, we talk about high school senior dropout rate or the graduation rate or the issues in the high school. So what mm-hmm. can we do in the early years of a child's life to get them to complete successfully? Yes, I think that the first thing we have to do is be mindful of how we see our children. So the first thing that's our responsibilities as educators and adults is to know that our children are capable of succeeding because when we have that expectation, that internal expectation of them, we will project that onto them. Just like if we don't expect it of them, we'll project that onto them. So we need to first check ourselves and make sure we have those high expectations. That's part of my Camille Simmons tagline, breaking barriers and raising expectations. And that's why I said that. We have to raise those expectations that we have around our children, especially the younger ones. They deserve to have a roadmap a roadmap where we begin to cultivate them. You don't just put children in a classroom and teach them a test and expect them to succeed. You cultivate them. What do do we dream for them? We have to come from the, the mindset of a parent. Every parent wants their child to grow up to be successful. What does that success look like? So we as a district have to identify what that success looks like. If they go into college, career, or what have you, and begin to show those young people where the, where the world looks like at their level. So a third grader might go out and explore different things. 
they look at, at things from their level and we make a, make it applicable. I think our children should have financial literacy. Well, a third grader is not going to do financial literacy, but if we show if we begin to show them at different levels the applicable life skills they need, they can grow into it and we just create that educational roadmap. Just like we have uh behavioral things that follow them through high school, they get right. in trouble, we make sure that everybody knows. Well, those same things should be happening in our practices with their roadmap. Make sure that everybody knows that little Camille wants to be a firewoman when she grows up. Right. No, she- I I agree with you 100% because I do feel like one of the areas that our 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 children miss out on is that financial literacy. And also the importance of soft skills, communication, conflict resolution, um, team building, working with other people, self-awareness, you know, time management, uh, self-management. So if you can begin to incorporate that when they're younger, you know, I believe that's the next step because I honestly believe that you know, fifth grade elementary school is almost like the workplace. You have to check in on time. You have to report to your teacher, your supervisor. You have to complete your work. You have to be able to come and go from the breaks that they give you. That really begins this process of understanding um, what work is all about. So I I applaud you for that. Now let's move just up the um, grade levels a little bit. What about middle school and high school? Yeah. So middle school, woo, that's that, that middle ground. That's that transition piece. And you can lose a lot of students there too. That seventh and eighth grade time right. frame, uh, six, six, seventh and eighth, I would even say. And so that's where we need to be getting them prepared for high school. Again, a lot of our, our still students go into ninth grade and they're already behind the eight ball. So now when these uh, regents exams and so on show up, they're they're scrambling and trying to figure out and they're falling behind and becoming discouraged. How are we preparing our students in the middle grade area for high school? And how are, you know, middle grade math, that's another thing. So eighth grade math, which is what that would be, a lot of students don't do well in as well. So we need to, again, get them those skills and find out where the where the um, opportunities are in middle school and prepare them for to what you said, that social emotional piece. Those resources need to be poured in there. We need to um, make sure that they have that critical thinking. That wasn't very important what you said, because, again, that goes back to that literacy piece, because literacy is not just about reading a word and writing a word, but understanding and that comprehension. So once you start cultivating in those areas and build that muscle for our children, they will become those those type of scholars. We've got to get a hold on that attendance from elementary to middle. And that, that way, when they transition into high school, how are we helping them transition? How are we wrapping around them? We can see more success. I agree with you 100%. So, you know, one of the things that you said to me is that you believe your community involvement helps you keep your pulse on what what's happening. And what is the one area in this community that you see um, kind of leads to some of the issues our students are having? Is there one? I know there's a lot, but mm-hmm. what is the one area you think that as a community um, in general or, or as a whole, what can we do to help make the lives of our children a little bit better, easier? Yeah, I think there are efforts to communicate. I think there's a lot of programs, but hey, if you don't know where the programs are, if you don't know where the resources are or how to access them, 
then you don't know what to do with them. I think there's a lot of well-meaning parents in the community. We're often hard on our parents and saying they don't care. Sometimes parents don't know where the resources are. Sometimes a parent cares a whole lot, but they're working two and three jobs. That's why they're not at the teacher conference. So how do we um, create a system? How do we kind of become more uh, malleable in addressing the needs of the parents so that they can become more involved? Um, so I think that there's, you know, we know that it's a, a community in po- that's in poverty and things of that nature, but it's far beyond the poverty. And I think that our, our education system has created generations of this misfortune. This didn't just start here. The graduation rates weren't low yesterday. They were low the day before that and a year before that and five years before that. Um, so I think that um, we've got a lot of violence in our community right now. Uh, we've got the poverty and so on. And we've got to figure out how to build bridges to fill those gaps. How do we get those resources out? The school district is making efforts. How do we get those communications out? Because people are saying they're not getting them. So how do we make sure that they are getting the communication? So really bridge that gap. Yes. So now, if you're elected to the school board, you're going to be working with a group of people that have a tenure over you. And also with a new superintendent, you know, how do you see yourself fitting into that group? And, you know, what would you say to them that you bring to the table? I see myself, um, I'm not here to fit in, but I'm here to get in, get in and, and work with this system. But I am here to work collaboratively and respectfully with my constituents, if you will, including the superintendent, for sure. I think there's a lot of opportunity with the decisions that are here at play. And I think that my background and understanding the students, working with the students and continuing to work with the students, as well as my continuous improvement um, and operations management, all of those things will come into play when we're making decisions at the board level. Um, Again, having that pulse on community needs. And again, I have this accountability piece where I really feel that coming into the seat is going to require me to really follow through on making sure the community is heard. That is my mission. The community voice needs to be heard, and I need to be responsible uh, to making sure that that happens. I need to be responsible to make sure, and I expect to be held accountable. But with my continuous improvement, that comes with the whole measurement. I got a measurement mind cookie. So when you're talking to Camille Simmons, you're going to understand she's going to start asking those questions. Well, how are we measuring this? How effective is this program? So that's going to go into how we negotiate contracts and what we enter into and what we allow to stay in the district um, to support our kids. Well, it's always nice to have that person that understands those dashboards, those Excel spreadsheets. I could tell that's that's what you do. You know, what? <laughs> I honestly believe that. One more question before I get to the question I ask everybody. When is the primary? And if people want to learn more about your five point plan, how do they get in contact with you? Yeah. So the primary. Vote for Camille Simmons on June 22nd, 2021. That is Tuesday, June 22nd. That is the primary. And with the Facebook likes are nice, but we need you out there voting. That That's where that's where it really happens. You want to see people that need to be in the seat in the seat. I believe I should be in the seat. And many of you have been supporting me. And I appreciate that. June 22nd is where we need you. And you can find me on S-I-M-M-O-N-S-4-B. 
B-O-E, F-O-R-B-O-E, SimmonsforBOE.org. That is my website. You can learn more about me there. I'm also on Facebook under Camille A. Simmons for Rochester City School Board. So uh, you can find me in a, uh, different areas. You can check out my campaign video and learn more about where what I stand for in my five-point plan. Well, I really appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. But I ask all my guests, because I am a proponent of happiness and really doing that work to get there. So, Camille Simmons, how do you make your happiness intentional? Yes, it's, it's so important. I, I'm a poet. I am a poet. So when I get to perform in the community and I see other people uh, respond to that energy, that's that's happiness for me. That is where I put my um, feelings, my thoughts, everything that I'm going through. It comes out in my poetry and it's designed to uplift and empower. I love to read. I love to write. And I love nature, Cookie. I will I will walk by some water in a heartbeat and just sit. I just love to relax and just kind of be in solitude. And that's where I find my happiness. I like that because my whole purpose of doing this podcast, number one, is for this community to hear about other people in the community trying to make a difference and also understanding that regardless of where you come from or where you're at, there's a purpose for you. So that's right. I really appreciate um, talking to you today, being purpose for education. My guest today was Camille Simmons. She is running for a seat on the Rochester City School Board. And I'm going to tell everybody, get out on June 22nd. Yes. And make sure you uh, pull that lever for uh, Camille Simmons. And thank you. It has been a pleasure talking to you and good luck. And I'm sure this won't be the last time that you and I get a chance to speak. Thank Thank you you. so much for having me. Yes, Cookie. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.